Welcome to Vibrant Body and Abundant Life with Tanya Penny. Listen in and learn how to use new mind, body, and spirit wisdom and supportive tools to move beyond your fears, self-doubts, and limiting beliefs. Tanya is devoted to helping you heal pain, illness, and trauma so you can enjoy a healthy body and balanced lifestyle. You deserve to fully live your passionate, purposeful life with abundance and freedom. Hello, 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 everyone. Welcome to Vibrant Body and Abundant Life, an inspiring, empowering series where some of the world's cutting-edge mind, body, spirit, healers, coaches, and leaders are coming together to share with you their wisdom, their tools, so that you can move beyond your fears, self-doubts, limiting beliefs, plus heal pain, illness, and trauma. So, as you know, I'm your host, Tanya Penny, self-love catalyst, vibrant body, and abundant life coach. And I'm here because I'm devoted to helping you heal, whether it's your pain, your anxiety, your illness, or past trauma, so that you can fully enjoy and have a healthy body, peaceful mind, and balanced life. You really do deserve to live your passionate, purposeful life with abundance and freedom. And today, I am excited to share the wisdom of Tina Christie with you. We are going to be diving into cultivating self-love. Self-love, I have found in my own personal journey to healing, is key to healing pretty much any illness, past trauma, but also to receiving 100% abundance in all areas of your life. So, Tina and I are reunited. We were in a summit together that she was actually hosting um, about a year and a half ago. And I felt very guided to call upon her, um, given the connection we had in the past, to join us today. So, let me tell you a little bit about Tina. Um, Tina Christie is a holistic life coach. She helps women master their connection with their inner guidance, reclaim their power, and connect and live their purpose to bring forward the greatness they know is inside of them. Combined with her 13 years of experience in naturopathic medicine and 20 years in personal growth, Tina uses her strong, intuitive, and empathic sense to guide women to a life of vitality, joy, and empowerment. Ah, who doesn't want that? <laughs> Welcome, Tina. How are you? <laughs> Thank you, Tanya. Thank you. I'm great. How are you doing? I'm doing awesome. I just had a transition to a new location, and I'm, you know, here I am, um, just ready to dive in with you today. How about you? How's it going in Toronto? <laughs> Fabulous. The weather just got nice here yesterday, and I'm excited to spend start spending lots of time outside and on the water. So perfect. <laughs> Yay, yay for summer. <laughs> I know a lot of people, yes. I live in Sedona, nor, you know, so I'm, I'm lucky, but a lot of people are um, just like, they've been waiting for summer to come. So <laughs> here it is. Yeah, chomping at the bit. Um, yeah. <laughs> yes, chomping at the bit. So as we talked about a little bit before um, we started our interview, our chat, you know, I, I brought up that one of the things that I really love to do 
on a daily basis um, is get outside, right? Nature really is one of the ways that I love and nurture myself. So one of the things I want to ask you is what does self-love look like for you? What does self-love, self-nurturing look like for you on a daily basis? Um, you know, what does it mean? What does it look like? And paint us, paint us your picture of self-love. Um, so, you know, for me, it, I'll start off with it, what it means to me and then what it looks like. Um, it's several things. I mean, one is being kind and compassionate to myself. Because, mm. um, you know, sometimes things don't go well or I want to get outside and I don't because I've got my head in the computer all day. And mm. instead of being, ah, oh, instead of saying, ah, oh, Tina, come on. You gotta, you gotta get better at this and go outside. Like I just say, okay, that's all right. So, so what happened here? Uh, okay. So not beating yourself up is what I'm hearing. <laughs> yeah, you know what happened here? Not beating myself up and see and just looking at it like, okay, looking at it like I would look at it, have looked at it for a patient or for a client, and say, okay, well, what happened here? Okay, so how can we? How can I do better with this tomorrow? Hmm. What like or what is it I'm needing? Oh, you know what? I'm actually not good at shutting the computer down. Let me put an alarm on, and the alarm will be on. I'll leave my iPod on the other side of the room and set an alarm. And when I get up to turn off the alarm, I'll go, Oh yeah, okay, time to go outside. Hmm. Um, so being kind and compassionate with myself, and being connected with what I'm needing or checking in with myself and being connected with myself so that I know what I'm needing, what I'm needing physically, maybe emotionally, spiritually. Like, you know what? I know I had this whole day planned out where I was going to do a whack of work, but I think I just need to meditate for 40 minutes. I just I just need to take out a chunk of time and, and meditate or get outside or drink some water or take a nap. Yeah, um, I think that is so journal. important, that connected to self and checking in with your needs. You know, a lot of us get, I don't know about, I'm sure your clients and, you know, are just very similar to mine and because they're like us, that <laughs> we can get really yes. busy and we can fall into what I call superwoman syndrome, right, where you're just trying to do too mm. much. And, and then you don't connect with yourself and what you need. And that is you know, as you said, essential to that self-love piece. Yeah, absolutely. Oh, definitely. Um, and the other the other thing self-love looks like for me is allowing myself to, you know, in line with the, the not beating myself up, allowing myself to make mistakes, um, mm. to be a beginner, to, you know, suck at something, especially initially, and not do a very good job so that I can learn to do a good job. Oh, so it sounds like so, it sounds like putting perfection on the shelf. <laughs> yes, exactly. Um, putting and 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 sometimes I do um, still find because I have a, a definite tendency to perfectionism, but it doesn't it doesn't serve me or anyone else. Um, right. you, you know, and and so when I'm coming at myself with kindness and compassion, if I'm getting stuck in a perfectionism loop where I'm starting to feel frustrated. To just you know take a deep breath and be like, what's going on here? And and speaking to myself again kindly, like I would speak to someone else. And so I'll say, all right, Tina, what's going on here? Are you trying? Are you trying to get this perfect? Ah, mm. uh, yes, I am. Okay, just take a deep breath. There is no perfection. You know, even if you got something completely perfect according to your highest standard, 
tomorrow mm. morning you would wake up and see a new level of perfection that you could take it to. Right? There's so, always, I mean, there's there's always improvements. There's always better. So there cannot be any perfect. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah, no, it's you 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 may think you get there and then a whole new universe of perfection opens up. Yeah. And now what you just did, which was perfect yesterday, you're like, "Oh, well, it's okay, but now I see that I could improve it this way, so it's not that great anymore." Um yeah. so just, you know, letting that go. And I ask I, I like to ask myself, um, is this good enough? And not a lot of people who are perfectionists think that good enough means garbage. Um, but it, it doesn't, <laughs> you know, is this, is this good enough or is this, can I be proud of this right now? Yes. I think, yes. Yeah. I love the, I love, I love the good enough piece because as we know, you, I mean, you and me are very similar. We've talked about that from past experiences. Yeah. <laughs> and um, so of course our clients are like us and I always tell my clients, there's no way that you can, there's no way that you could, you know, give garbage because you're such an overachiever. Right, you're so yes. you set yourself to such. You're wired for overachieving and setting such a high standard. So actually, when you say something's good enough, that means you're probably at a hundred percent versus two hundred. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> and which is oh my awesome. gosh, yes, <laughs> yeah. I always say that your standards are so high that even your junk is pretty good. So don't worry about yeah. It. Even your shit is like amazing. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Um, I'm sure everyone listening is like, "Yep." <laughs> and and even if your ego doesn't believe it, it's it's true. I'm telling you, it's it's likely true. <laughs> yeah, and and you know, it's so liberating. I remember the first time I put out something that was good enough, and I'm like, "Oh mm. gosh, are people going to email me and tell me what a piece of garbage this is, and I should be embarrassed?" And it and and it just everything went great. Everyone loved it, and I was like, "Oh." Oh, wow, so it is true. You know, I think sometimes we need to experience these things, or often we need to experience these things to really yeah. then start to get the the deeper the deeper knowing that it's not just something that sounds good that my you know that like my coach is trying to sell me on it's <laughs> actually true right right <laughs> so you gotta you gotta keep planting the seed because we've been so conditioned you know my I was conditioned, I'm sure you were conditioned, my clients were conditioned, yours too. They weren't, they were conditioned to see themselves as, um, what do I want to say? I, like, you, you can never be, it, it, simply, you can just never be good enough. Whatever you grew up with, like I grew up with a perfectionistic parent, right? A very critical mm. perfectionistic parent, not just for, towards me, but towards themselves. So self-love yes. and that kindness and compassion and the good enoughness was not modeled for me, right? Yeah. So oh. when people when people ask like, why is it so? Why is this self love and compassion stuff so hard? And it's it's the simple answer is because it's so conditioned with us to do and be completely opposite. Yeah, it was the exact same for me. It wasn't it wasn't modeled, and you know I think for a lot of perfectionists. Um, it's very, you know, a lot of people will congratulate you. Great job. Oh, my gosh. You really go all the way. I love how, you know, I love how you just keep going till you have it the way you like it. So, you know, there's a lot of um, positive feedback because people aren't sitting there behind the scenes seeing 
how you agonize and neglect yourself and um and sometimes it really when you do that it really works for other people you neglect mm. yourself but hey i clean up it's <laughs> good for me right right absolutely absolutely so we get praise <laughs> what i'm hearing is oftentimes we get praise for being that overachiever or that perfectionist and that kind of feeds it yes praised is the word i was looking for <laughs> there's a lot of praise out there for overachieving and and perfectionism um either because yeah you know, for whatever is going on with other people who knows um or they just don't see behind the scenes what you know what you had to sacrifice to make that happen right. um and right. you don't have it's like that that self-nurturing time right takes takes the back seat because you're so busy overachieving overdoing to prove right Mm-hmm. And I think a lot of perfectionists, yeah, to get the praise, I think a lot of perfectionists as well, they could kill themselves working on something, get it, they completely neglect themselves, get it all done, and when they show up to present it or show up at the end of the day or the weekend or whatever, they still show up looking great with a big smile. and They're not going to show up and go, oh, I killed myself for this. I hope you, you know, they don't let on. So people think everything's great. I'm going to try to make it look easy. <laughs> Mm, yeah. Meanwhile, make it look easy. back of the ramp. Yeah. yeah. Well, and so would you say then that one of the biggest blocks to that self-love and self-nurturing and taking that time for ourselves is that that overachieving perfectionistic superwoman? Hmm. I think that's definitely a huge a huge part of it. Um, I think a lot of people don't know how to slow down, not even coming necessarily from a superwoman aspect. Mm-hmm. I mean, there's that's definitely a factor, and it's definitely probably the main driver for a lot of women. But I think there's a, you know, other people just, they, they, they've never seen it modeled. So even if they're not trying to be superwoman, they're just like, well, I don't know. Well, what else can I accomplish? I guess I can uh, vacuum again, or uh, you know, they, they and they don't have they haven't had it modeled where you can take downtime or have an activity yes. that you that you love to do or take up a sport that you love or you know whatever it happens to be. So they don't know what else to do with their time. And short of watching TV or staring at the wall, they they don't know what to do. So they so they come up with something to do. Right, more work, more more busyness, more quote-unquote work. Because when I say work, I don't necessarily... Yeah, yeah, like I don't necessarily mean your job, though a lot of people overwork in their job, but it's that constant busyness. Um, Mm -hmm. and, And I think you're exactly right. We didn't learn to slow down. And even though, like for me, I, I, my model was, you know, when my parents, quote, unquote, rested, they, they did. They watched TV. They didn't necessarily do what I would call, not that TV's bad, um, I'm not saying that, but if that's your only rest and or play activity, you know, it, you're probably missing something, right? But, but that's what a lot of us yeah. model. Either you're working or you're watching TV as your, quote, unquote, relaxation. Yes. Yeah. And I think a lot of people are, you know, in that in their relaxation and in their downtime are yearning for something more, something that feels 
you know, fulfilling is a strange word for leisure time, but something that feeds their soul more. Like maybe it's, I know you love hiking, so maybe they're out mm-hmm. in nature. Or a few years ago, I took up sailing, and I sail like little laser, these little dingy racing boats. Um, and love doing that and hanging down, hanging out down at the community club that I'm a, a part of that has these boats or, um, you know, stand up paddleboarding, getting out on the water or just, or cooking, you know, cooking for fun. Mm. Maybe I'm cooking a dinner, but I wouldn't really make the, you know, go to all these extra little things, but there's something I've always wanted to do and I just put on music and cook away and if it doesn't work out, that's fine. Um, and so all of those things I I love to do, and they feed me at a deeper level. Um, so sometimes I think that, you know, someone sits down to watch TV, and they're yearning for something at a deeper level. So they're like, oh, turn off the TV. And maybe cleaning the baseboards or reorganizing their closet doesn't feed them as well as taking a hike would, but it feeds them <laughs> more than TV, so okay. I love those examples. <laughs> Now, now, I want to say that, yes, gardening, cooking, and even cleaning for some people can be meditative. But there is a point where it's like, okay, um, we might want to tap into our soul and ask what else that we could do that would be even more nurturing um, or different, right, variety. Yeah, yeah, and like you said, like some people love that kind of stuff, so, you know, go for it. But I can do everyone just because, yeah, it's the only thing you know of what to do. Yeah. So you're like, okay, well, I guess I'll clean. I love clean. But have you explored other things and, and explored other things and really come out with cleaning is my soul fuel, so I will do that. <laughs> so what I'm hearing, right, is really taking that time, again, to connect and really explore what nurtures your soul, Right? What, what nurtures you? That is a piece of self-love. It's really taking that time and exploring that. And of course, again, that means everyone listening, right? We've got to slow down. We've got to make space, right? We, we can't just be working all the time or doing habitual things that we normally are just conditioned to do. Or even, um, one of my other favorites that you probably see too, Tina, is you know, people doing things to please others even though it really doesn't please themselves and that's not very loving. No. It tends to, I find, create a lot of resentment. Yeah. Um, which is definitely not loving to the other person or to yourself at the end of the day. Um, and, and then you may beat up on yourself if, again. Yeah, and you know, one of the things that that often happens that when people are overdoing for other people, you know, even if they're not getting into resentment towards others and they're overdoing, one of the things I see a lot of is, you know, overdoing, overdoing, overdoing. So it wears you down and you start to get tired and stressed and your energy constricts and you don't really have as much to give, but you keep doing and it's such a physical doing that you don't realize that you're not giving on an emotional level. You're not connecting on an emotional level because you're so tired. You're like, oh, get this done. Um, And people don't even see, because of the fatigue and the stress and you're just so worn out, don't even see that they're not really there emotionally for people. Mm. And I know there's this great quote by... 
Yeah, yeah, they're not there for other people. They're not there for themselves. So, at, in, and so when you're just physically doing things for other people, but you're not connecting emotionally or you're not present, you're not giving as much as you think you're giving. There's this great quote by someone famous who I can't remember right now that says, um, you know, people will forget what you did, but they'll never forget how you made them feel. Hmm. And that's right? where so it's not necessarily the actions, right? Yeah, and you know, you hear. I'm sure I hear this from people. I've heard this from a lot of people, and I'm sure you have as well. That my mother or spouse or whoever did so many things for me, but they were so stressed out, and I, I knew they loved me, but and basically they're kind of saying like, I knew they loved me, but I didn't really feel it because they were so tired and they couldn't be there to connect with me. But I saw how hard they worked for me, so you know. What, what, what isn't that, that? And I think that's and I think that's pretty common. Um, mm-hmm. I, I, I believe it's changing, but I think that's pretty common, right? Is one of the things a lot of us saw growing up is our parents working really hard, and it's like you got to work hard to prove your worth, but also to get love and approval. Um, so it was almost a way that they showed you that they loved you was was by working hard. Right, um, yeah. and a lot of people have, you know, have taken that on that pattern, um, and it, you know, so it, it's twofold, right? There's really two issues. It's one is that you think you have to do something in order to receive love from somebody else, right? That's, mm-hmm. I mean, that's that's a huge piece I think for a lot of people. When number one, we have to fill up our own self-love cup first. Right? We can't, <laughs> yes, we need love from other people, but ultimately we can't do it at the expense of ourselves. Yeah, and you know, giving from the overflow, giving from your abundance is so joyful. You know, it's like bursting into song. It's like, let me do this for you. Yeah, no, this is great. Versus, okay, I'll keep, I'll keep trudging. I'll keep going. Let me, mm. let me do one more thing. This is, you know, so it's, it's just, it, it comes from a joyful place which is then nurturing even to you because it's like, wow, I love being loving Yeah. versus let me cross one more thing off my list. Oh, my gosh, I'm so tired. I have to do this. I should do this. All those <laughs> lovely, yeah. you know, those lovely little um, beliefs, right? Have to, should. Um, and a lot of those yeah. have tos and shoulds are just things that we believe we have to do, you know. And maybe the other person is asking for it, and maybe they're not. Yeah. Maybe they couldn't care less if you do that or you don't do that. Absolutely, you know, I, we just believe that we, because we, that's what we think. We think that we assume. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we assume that that's what they want, or we assume that that's what love looks like, um, and. And then we, you know, martyr ourselves for that. And other people are like, oh, that's nice. That's okay. <laughs> You're like, what? And then you get pissed off. <laughs> yeah. And I think right. that's where sometimes the cycle of not feeling appreciated gets set up. Because right. other people, it's not that they don't appreciate you, but they don't really need what you're doing. And you, you're going so far and sacrificing so much of yourself that you're well, expecting... Mm-hmm. expecting oodles of gratitude and it, and it sets up this funky cycle of resentment and anger and oh you're not grateful nobody appreciates me everything I do 
and see I'm not good enough and I'm not lovable and I'm not appreciated. Mm-hmm. So it's almost like it feeds that, um, going back to what you said in the beginning, right, that not that beating up on yourself, um, what I call inner critic, right? It almost feeds the inner critic when we carry out those patterns and then we don't, you know, we're looking for the, we're doing it for that external, you know, appreciation and praise, even though we really don't want to be doing it. And then we don't get it. And then it's like, see, I am not good enough or I am not doing enough or blah, 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 blah. (laughs) It's a vicious cycle. Yeah. And then the, and in that cycle, the only where to, where to go is to end up doing more. (laughs) Yeah. So it's, it's definitely very vicious cycle. So how do you, when you're working with your clients, how do you support them? I mean, we've already kind of shared a, a lot of um, tips and tools or wisdom as far as um, self-love, but but really specific, how do you support those you work with to cultivate self-love so they can heal and receive more in their lives? Um, well, I guess there's two main ways. One is you know, fairly straightforward, and it's just teaching them what they don't know, teaching them what that looks like if they mm-hmm. if they don't know. For example, um, when we're talking about hiking and you know getting outside in nature and the the, the other the other types of those type of things that nourish you, um, some people have no idea what nourishes them. They mm-hmm. just, I say like, okay, well, write down a list of things you love to do or bring you joy, and they're like, uh, I I don't know. They've just so we can go into that and and and. Many times, once people become aware of it, suddenly you know they're doing these these actions, and it really creates um, creates kind of a movement in their life of of doing more of that. And then other times, people know exactly what they love to do. Um, and obviously, both things can be in in one person, but they they know what they love yeah. to do, and they're they're not doing it, or they're sacrificing because of these false beliefs of I'm not worthy or I, I can't do that. That's selfish. So then, um, I do some work with people where we get to, um, and it's always a little bit different. I, I really use my intuition yeah. as I go into this process with people. So sometimes we go into the inner child, and we see, you know. So I may say to someone, uh, "Okay, great. You feel like you would just be completely unworthy. I'm just going to make something up. If you were to take care of yourself more, it means you're unworthy of this relationship, or this person's going to leave you. Okay. So mm. when was the first time you can remember feeling that way? And I try to get them as young as possible. Yeah. So and then you know going connecting with that inner child, and I do a lot of tapping um, with the inner child, inner child work, to clear out that false belief. Um, but then also working with their inner child to give them what they never got. Um, so I'm hearing two things, and and I am completely on board, and we do very similar work. Is that these beliefs? Right, these the things that cause us to act or not act in a loving way to ourselves is really due to the beliefs that most of us picked up as children. Right, so to go back to that and work with that inner child who took on that belief, I think is so important, um, necessary in order to shift the actions. Right, in order to shift into self-love, um, I think that's huge. And then asking number two. You know, what does that part of us really need? Now that we've, you know, started to shift the belief, now we can really look at what did what did this part of us really 
what did it really need that it didn't get because it believed, you know, that it couldn't have it or it wasn't worthy of it or, you know, it had to take care of other people or whatever the belief was, right? Yeah, absolutely. And the other thing that I find is sometimes, you know, it's there should have, there quote unquote should have been an adult there at that time when this, when the person was younger to teach them these things mm. and, and speak to them in a certain way and nobody did. Maybe they were criticized or maybe they were just dismissed altogether or maybe someone, you know, taught them a funky lesson, <laughs> a lesson that was just not not helpful based on their false beliefs um, and have our adult self be the adults that that younger self never got. Does that make sense? Yes. I feel like it's a little... No, yeah, <laughs> absolutely. It's, I call it self-parenting. Right. So yes, it's, exactly. It's, it's parenting that part of ourselves that never got it the way it needed it as a child. And I'm going to guess everyone listening had at least one parent that wasn't fully present, even if they were physically there. Emotionally, they didn't give you what you needed or uh, mentally, emotionally. Right. And some of us physically, too. Um, and just I don't know why I feel called to add this in. And this is my from a spiritual perspective and, you know, those of you who know me and have been following me, spirituality kind of weaves into everything that I do, um, including self-love. And when we are looking at what we didn't get as children, it's like reminding ourselves, you know what? We did ask for those parents <laughs> to teach us. Mm-hmm. You know, for whatever experiences and situations we were to learn and grow from, we, so, you know, we're not here battering our parents. Um, because they didn't teach us self-love, um, they didn't know it either. So that they couldn't teach what they didn't know. <laughs> yeah. And most exactly. of us, right, and most of us, like you and me, and probably most people listening, are actually meant to go through this process of learning self-love so they can then teach it to others, whether it's their children, whether it's with clients um, like me and you do, friends, I mean, strangers, whoever, right? Mm-hmm. Absolutely, and that's and that's when you can teach it to others. When I, I think if you haven't really ex- gone through something like that and experienced it, I mean, I guess you kind of sort of could teach it to others, but you wouldn't know where they were were coming from or what it felt like. So that really bingo just there. <laughs> yeah, bingo, 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 bingo. How do you like? How do you teach something? For a lot of us, it's like how do how do you teach something that you didn't have to learn that just came naturally because you wouldn't even know where to start so um yeah yeah it's an interesting perspective right (laughs) Mm -hmm. now the other thing that i find um to get people to the place of self-love is and i'm sure this probably could be done as inner child work as well but for me um this has fallen more into the category of what they call shadow work you know taking the parts of people that they they don't, they hate about themselves or they want to they want to fix or eliminate or get rid of and seeing where there's power there hmm. um because i think that's something that can really um that you know well i don't want to do this because it's going to mean i don't know it's going to mean i'm a selfish bitch okay well wait a second where's the, and so sometimes i'll just intuitively get the hunch, okay, let's go back to your childhood. And other times I'll just go, okay, well, wait a second. What's going on with this? Ah, okay, you know what? The your this, this aspect that you have, let's say this natural inclination to take care of yourself is 
is, you know, in the, a lot of people call it the shadow side. I call it like the low expression of a power that you have, let's say, mm. to know where you best need to take care of yourself. And, and you're driven to take care of yourself. But, you know, somewhere probably in childhood, somebody told you it was a bad idea. So Selfish. I've heard that a lot growing up. With, yeah. Mm-hmm. So may do inner child work with that or may just sometimes people don't know how to use aspects of their power as powerful. They've only been told that it was bad, so they shoved it away. And taking right. that back out and saying, well, wait a second. You can use this in a powerful way that's high vibration and loving. And if you do this, where and everyone wins, and people have never seen that aspect of themselves in a positive light before. Right, because they were put down for it growing up, right? Mm-hmm. Um, whatever, whatever it is, whether it was taking time, asking for what they needed. Um, you know, I think a lot of that came from our parents' needs weren't met either. So when we asked for something, they first of all, they didn't know how to give it to us, so they it's almost like they shamed or guilted us for it, right? Yeah. Um, and it's not just parents. It can be, you know, other adults in our lives as well, and even culturally, right, culturally. So, yeah. so what is what is a tip or tool that you can share with everyone listening today that, like, right now they can start using that to begin this process of cultivating deeper self-acceptance and love? I have so many. Which one? I've got so many favorites. <laughs> I know we have such big tool bags. <laughs> I know. Well, let's see. Um, one of my favorite, maybe I'll share a couple if that's okay, because I know different things resonate with different people. Um, one is meditation. Hmm. Um, I find that as meditation calms your mind, you're naturally more in tune with your body because your mind is just a little more chilled out. So then you're more able to hear what you're you're more able to, to to hear what your body is saying, whether it's a body need or an emotional need or anything else or a spiritual need. Um. And I also love journaling. I find that uh, you know, journaling doesn't work for everyone, but I find it works for a lot of people. Um, and you could even start off by journaling and saying, even though, you, you know, I don't know what I need. Um, I listened to this, I listened to Tanya Penny's podcast, and this person she was interviewing told her, said that people should start journaling and Sounds like a good idea, and now that I'm here, I don't know what to write, and I don't know what I need, and I feel like I'm all over the place, and maybe this is stupid, <laughs> you know, and just... So, again, it's putting aside the perfectionist, out. isn't it? It's putting aside the perfectionist yes. when you go to journal, and if you don't like the word journal, it's funny, Tina, because a lot of my clients um, come to me, and they, they really hate journaling because they had a negative experience growing up um, with it, and... Oh, wow. Yeah, that like we either they beat themselves up for what they wrote in their journal. Maybe a parent got a hold of the journal and they got punished for what they wrote. Um, so yeah, uh, I'm gonna just let people listening know that a lot of people cringe when they hear the word journal. So find a different word, call it writing, and just remember to let go of perfection because I I think too it's a very powerful tool. Yes. Okay. So we'll, we'll call it writing. Actually, the the journaling issue. I haven't. I actually haven't not come across that. But the one thing I like to to tell people is you need to have a place to put 
your book um, that you mm. feel is completely safe. So if you need to buy a lockbox and put a lock on it, then do that. You need to yeah. know that when you're you're writing, you can be completely uncensored. And you may want to get a regular goes. notebook. And you may want to get a regular notebook, not a pretty journal. Because a lot of my clients feel like they have to write perfect in their pretty journal. <laughs> oh my, I haven't come across that either. I actually usually tell people, get something that you just love. And every time you look at it, you're like, oh, I want to go write in that. But yeah, if you feel like you need to write perfectly in your pretty <laughs> journal, then no. I don't know, go to Dollarama, go to the dollar store. <laughs> I don't know. I must, I must get the severe perfectionist, Tina. <laughs> Because I was. <laughs> yeah, I get that. I get that as well, but not not to the level that that you get. It definitely not. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah. So you know, and and at the end of the day, it is just you know whatever, whatever works for you. So if you want to write on scrap paper and burn it, then do that. Like there's there's really no right and wrong. Oh um, yeah. If you're afraid of somebody finding it, yeah, write it down and burn it. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, yeah. Again, whatever. Lock it up, burn it, shred it. Um, and for a lot of people, when they start writing, um, things come out. They've actually done studies where they use—I don't know if they use CAT scans or what—but that your brain, um, your brain, you access different parts of your brain when you're writing versus speaking mm-hmm. or thinking. Yeah. Um, and I know when I sit down to write, things come out that. I, I mean, I have breakthroughs just sitting there writing. That that I, I never some of these things that come out, I've never consciously had that thought before. Um, and so it's a great way to connect with what's what's really going on, and making sure that you are that you do feel safe enough. Whether again you're shredding or burning or locking it up or you live by yourself and it's not an issue um, mm. or what have you. To be completely, completely uncensored, and but also being okay with not knowing and just being like, hmm, I don't know what it is that I need. Huh? Okay. And you can even and you can even write that down, right? When I when I have people start writing journaling and they haven't done it forever, I'll just say, if you don't know what to write, just write. I don't know what to write. Yes. Like absolutely. Just start there. Like just start there, right? Um, right. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And, you know, and if you're if you're really feeling stumped, you could write what we just said and then and then be open to the universe presenting you with things and trying new things. So maybe a friend says, oh, do you want to go on a hike? And you're like hiking. That doesn't sound like something I would like. You can't tell what is we think. And again, they've done studies on this where we think that we know what's going to bring us joy and what's going to make us happy and what's going to feel really um, fulfilling and what's really going to feed our souls and make us feel loved and replenished. But we actually don't know. Mm. And then we need to experience those things. And that's sometimes, you know, I'm sure a lot of people listening have had the experience where you go and you try something new and you're like, I am going to love this. And you do it and you're like, I hate it. I'm never doing that again. <laughs> and other times where you think, um, I know, um, I, like I mentioned earlier, one of the things I love to do in the summer is I love to sail these little dinghy boats, uh, lasers, and little little one-person racing boats. And I I had someone try to convince me to learn about two years ago for two months 
And I was like, no, I don't, I'm not going to like it. Um, there's other boats that I can sail that are, you know, two pe- two person boats and they're, they're more social. I don't want to, I don't want to, you know, I'm, I already, I'm self-employed. I work, I work on my own. I don't want to sail on my own as well. And they're, they're easier to capsize. And I just, I don't, and I actually only took the course to, <laughs> to make this person shut up. I was like, if I take the course and I tell her I hate it, she'll leave me alone. And, and so and then at least already, you tried it, right? <laughs> and so I was like, I'll just try it, fine, and then she'll leave me alone. And I tried it, and I was like, oh, my God, I love it. I actually don't even sail the other boats anymore that I used to because I love this one so much. And I fought someone for two months to take a free course. The course is free because I'm already a member of this club. Um, so we just and, – and that's not just me. We just don't know what's going to bring us joy and what isn't. I love that. So we've got number one, meditation, number two, journaling, and number three – Really giving yourself permission to try things, right, to try new things, things you might even think you hate, um, because they just might bring you joy. They might nurture your soul. Yeah, you know, see what the universe, if the universe is presenting you with the option to try something or a friend wants you to go somewhere or, I don't know, just you, just something is put in front of you, there's probably a reason for it. Mm, I would agree so with go, that. You know, go check it out. You're not selling a kidney. You're not marrying it. You know, it's all <laughs> it's all low commitment stuff. <laughs> well, and I think a lot of people don't want to try new things too because there's some fear, either fear mm. of you know they won't do it well, they won't do it perfect. Perfection. Yeah. <laughs> um, it could be fear of connecting actually with other people sometimes. Um, you know, whether it's going to a new yoga class or whatever. Um, so again, it's it's really even facing those fears, right? Those fear-based beliefs that are holding you back from from trying new things, right? Or you may just tell yourself, "I don't have the time," right? I don't have that time thing is a big one for a lot of people. So really giving yourself permission and time to try new things. I guess I would add the time in there. Yeah. Um... So, you know, I've got a few things to say about that. Well, one is for the time thing, um, uh, that's almost never true. People are convinced that it's true, but the example that I like to use, <laughs> it's, like, it's mm. maybe not, it's maybe like a bit of a horrible example, but, um, or unfortunate, is let's say you're going along, I have no time, I have no time, and then someone you love is, you know, tragically in the hospital, oh. and you spend all week at the hospital. Well, I thought you had no time. If you had no time, you would not be there in the hospital. You have no time, right? Like, I mean, if you Absolutely. literally had no time, like you had a newborn baby that had special needs and you had to be home 24-7, you wouldn't suddenly be at the hospital anyways. How, how do you do that? Were you going to let your baby die? It's amazing how time all automatically opens up and, and presents when, quote-unquote, tragic things happen, right? Yeah, and it's because those those tragic things shoot to the top of our priority list. And all of a sudden, all these other things that we thought were a priority that we had to do, um, we don't have to do. And I mean, I would see that as a, as a natural, when I was um, working full-time as a naturopath as well, people would call in two hours before, I need to cancel my appointment. And I would say, well, you know, I still charge for the appointment. It's two hours before. It's, my cancellation policy is 24 hours. And they would say, okay, I'll come then. Right? <laughs> I, th- I thought you just could not come. 
Well, I guess like, I can make the time now. I guess I can make myself a priority because I sure as hell don't want to lose money. <laughs> time and money, time and money, hand in hand. So, um, yeah, Tina, I know we're getting close to the end of our time here, and I know you have a free gift for us. Can you please yeah. tell us a little bit about that? It is a webinar that I did about a year and a half ago or so called uh, Essential Self-Love Rituals, uh, How to Incorporate mm. Daily Rituals for Increasing Self-Love, Healing Emotional Wounds, and Dissolving Limiting Beliefs is the full title. <laughs> wow, that sounds very um, juicy. That sounds like it's got a lot in it. And so it's a webinar, and um, mm-hmm. it's also, I think I, I signed up for it just to take a peek at it before we before we jumped on this wonderful call. Um, so there's a, I think there's an outline and there's a 90, is it a 90-minute webinar? Um, yes, yes, it's a 90-minute awesome. webinar. And it goes through just, again, daily rituals that you can start doing as soon as you listen. I mean, I've got stuff that I, I, tag, on, um, I tag them on to things that you already do in your day, like going to bed and waking up. <laughs> Natural things that have happened. <laughs> Yeah, so you can you can tag these Hopefully. on to your daily routine, um, and I encourage people to pick one absolute max two at a time. The the people who try to be perfectionistic and add in a whole whack at, at once usually end up adding in nothing. So start with one, or become um, completely one overwhelmed. Drawn to <laughs> yes, yeah, yeah. You become completely overwhelmed, so it lasts like three days, and then you're like, oh yeah, I was going to do that. Um, oh yeah, all or nothing. Thing. <laughs> yeah, one thing or one thing in the morning, one thing in the evening. That could that's okay as well. Um, if as long as that's not overwhelming to you, try to be less ambitious about it versus more ambitious, and then it'll keep you. It'll keep pulling you forward. Um, mm, I like and that. And every month or so, once you feel like you've mastered the one that you're doing, and it's just not that big of a deal. It's just part of what you do. Add in another one. Yeah, so that I love that um, prog- like progress, right? Pro- I always say progress, not perfection, right? Baby steps. Yeah, like that's Absolutely. how we truly make those changes and and heal and um, receive abundance is is those baby steps. So not I have not a slide at the beginning of. Yes, and I have a slide at the beginning of the webinar that talks about baby steps as well. <laughs> Yay, we're on the same page. <laughs> yeah, of course we are. So you guys, you can get Tina's amazing self-love gift at the link right below this interview if you are listening um, from my website. And if you are on iTunes or Podbean or Stricter listening to this amazing episode, you can head over to TanyaPenny.com and there's a link on my homepage that will take you to all the free gifts. Um, Tina's and as well as my own, if you haven't yet signed up and received the Vibrant Body and Abundant Life Blueprint, I recommend that you do. It's the 10 keys to co-creating and living your healthy, passionate, purposeful life with abundance and freedom. So there's lots of good good stuff. Don't and again with the free with the free gifts, I even recommend to sign up for one at a time, use it and then move to the next. Um, those of you who sign up for all the free gifts at one time, you tend to um, get overwhelmed, and they just tend to sit in your inbox and or on your computer somewhere, and you never open them. <laughs> so, um, <laughs> so I want to help you decrease the overwhelm, and um, that's part of self-love, right? Is is knowing 
how to pace yourself and not overdoing. So, Tina, do you have any parting words or a nugget for our listeners? Um, I guess it would be that you can have self-love. I mean, it's completely internally generated. Um, at the end of the day, even if you're taking outward actions, it's really internally generated, um, and you're you're just as worthy of it as anyone else, even if you don't right now feel that you are, um, is just an illusion. Mm-hmm. And as you um, start taking these steps and taking actions that are self-loving, it will help you to feel more self-love, which will help you take more action, and it'll just it'll just keep going. Hmm. Yeah, and be, I love be that. kind to yourself. Be kind, no, no matter what happens, whether you fail miserably or do fantastically, be kind to yourself because that's that's self-love as well. Absolutely, and I just want to add, you know, my little self-love nugget is, um, you know, really looking at, really looking at your words, your thoughts, your words, and your actions every day, right? Like. And asking yourself, with everything you say to yourself out loud or internally, um, everything that you do or don't do, ask, you know, is this really the most loving thing? Would I, you know, would I say this to a friend? Would I say this to a client? Right? Is this the most, mm-hmm. so, is this the most loving and honoring thing for me? And if it's, you know, actions, really looking at those as well, because I think they're all connected, right? Our, our words, our thoughts, our words, and our actions. So. Tina, thank you so much for joining us today in this amazing conversation on self-love. I feel like we've covered so much. Oh, thank you so much, Tanya. This has been great. Thank you so much for having me on. You are so welcome. And I do recommend that everyone listen to this at least twice because I know like myself, whenever I listen to something again, I, I usually get a little bit more or something a little bit new and different each time. Maybe something I wasn't willing to hear or ready to hear before. <laughs> and now maybe yeah. I will. <laughs> so um, it's yeah. funny. I, I'll often listen to, you know, things like this for my, my coaches and healers and the people I follow. I'll listen several times and, and to really get as, all the juice squeezed out of it. So. <laughs> Second and third yeah. time around, I'm usually like, did they say that the first time? I didn't even I know. I'm like, really? I'm like, wow. <laughs> maybe because I was yeah. maybe multitasking, too, doing something else. So that could also be um, something that you guys want to write down as an act of self-love is, is throw out multitasking. <laughs> it doesn't work. Yeah. Nobody's good at it anyway. Time. Nobody's actually good at it, no. <laughs> no, absolutely not. So I just want to say... Uh, again, thank you to Tina, and thank you to everyone for joining us for the Vibrant Body and Abundant Life podcast. I'm Tanya Penny, your self-love catalyst, Vibrant Body and Abundant Life coach, and remember, progress, not perfection. I look forward to hearing your comments and um, supporting and seeing you guys soon. Bye. Bye. Thanks for listening to Vibrant Body and Abundant Life with Tanya Penny. If you like what you heard, the best compliment you can give us is to share this podcast with a friend and be sure to leave us a favorable review at iTunes. And remember to visit tanyapenny.com 
to receive all of your favorite free expert gifts, including Tanya's virtual workshop, The Vibrant Body and Abundant Life Blueprint.